Who is the horse by which you measure all others? The horse that no other can hope to replace in your heart? What would happen if you lost, then found, then lost that horse again? Grab some tissues for this bittersweet episode of Barn Stories. Welcome to the Barn Stories podcast. I'm Lori Prinz, editor of Equus Magazine. And I'm managing editor Christine Barakat. This podcast features our favorite essays and articles published in Equus over the past 40 years. Although Equus is known for articles on horse care and veterinary research, our editorial mission has always been guided by the bond that exists between horses and people. And each issue has featured a real-life story that celebrates how horses enrich our lives and touch our hearts. We've searched our archives, chosen the stories that resonated with our readers, and given them new life in this audio format. Longtime subscribers may recognize some of their favorite pieces. And if you're new to the Equus community, these stories will confirm that no matter what sort of saddle you sit in, a deep emotional connection to horses is something we all share. There are plenty of ways to describe a once-in-a-lifetime horse. Some people call them heart horses, others call them forever horses, and to some people they're unicorns. However you describe them, special horses are unforgettable and they leave an indelible mark on your soul. You don't have to own a horse to feel that powerful connection to him. The story we're featuring in this episode explores a relationship between a woman and a once-in-a-lifetime horse who always belonged to someone else. The pair worked together for a bit, then they were separated by circumstance. Years later, they met up again and the bond was still there. Be forewarned that the story is sad, but if you've ever walked into a new barn and seen a familiar, friendly equine face, you'll identify with the joy this author felt, even for a short while. So have some tissues handy and get ready to contemplate what makes a horse really special as we listen to My Forever Horse by Alika Loredo. Who is your favorite horse, Miss Alicia? The one you love best? I gaze down into the small face. My students ask this often. Most are waist high, their hair tucked under pink helmets. Some come once a month in worn jeans and borrowed boots. Others come weekly in expensive outfits from the local tax store. All are starry-eyed and breathless with their first ride, their first canter, their first ribbon, they still have so many firsts ahead of them. I pause to think, what horse do I love best? I've been in the business for more than four decades and have loved many horses for different reasons. There was Sugar, the backyard pony who helped me perfect my emergency dismount. Floyd, my first training project, whom I eventually paired with his perfect owner. Castlewood's checkmark, a seasoned performer who taught me showmanship and gave me my first blue ribbons. I owe my reputation as a trainer to the many talented horses I've worked with over the years, many of whom brilliantly carry my riders to victory passes. And of course, my riding program would be nothing without my school horse partners, who do their jobs unerringly, day after day. Yes, I have loved many horses, but as I face the pure, innocent emotion beaming from this little girl's eyes, I wonder what answer could possibly satisfy her expectation. In truth, the horse business is often exasperating. Hours of sweat, freezing cold, flies, and bone-weary exhaustion blend with the moments of triumph and jubilation. There is disappointment, loss, injury, old age, 
and yes, inevitably, death. This little girl wants a love story that transcends all of this. She wants to hear a fairy tale about a forever horse. So what is that elusive something that elevates one horse above all the others to become a superstar in your heart? What name pops up again and again when I try to define words like heart, presence, and courage? What single horse could also be friend, teacher, and business partner? There is one. As the years have passed, I suspect the facts of his life have gotten mixed with the myth of what remains of him in my heart. I don't know that they can be separated even. He is the horse by whom I measure all others. He helped make me, not just as a professional, but as a better human being. I smile at my young student and say, there was an American saddlebred called Folly's Top Cat. I never officially owned Top Cat, but he owned my heart from the first day I met him. He arrived at the barn and stumbled off the trailer, tall and gangly with multiple confirmation faults. He was over at the knees and had one dished foot. His head was as long as his neck and his ears flopped. He tripped once on his way to the stall and I tripped twice leading him. We seemed destined for a future together. His previous bar name had been Cornbread, but we always called him Toppers. I had the privilege of schooling him for a juvenile rider over the next few years. I called it luck when our careers merged at the same time, but perhaps it was fate. Something happened when this horse went to work. There was a dramatic shift you could feel from croup to pole. He had a way of looking at things in the far distance and a desire to get there that changed his whole demeanor. I had my first introduction to presence. Presence makes a horse seem much bigger than the competition. It is a quality that emanates from within that surmounts physical flaws and draws people closer to the rail for another look. It can hold a crowd in awe and stir them into a frenzy. Presence. It's not what you have, but how you present it to the world. Standing in his stall, Toppers was just plain old cornbread. But when he hit the show ring, he owned it. He taught me, too, to stand tall and proceed with confidence. Folly's top cat carried his young rider to many victories. But the show I remember most was a little two-day event in the mountains of North Carolina. It was where he demonstrated the true meaning of heart. The Saturday night American Saddlebred Pleasure Championship class started with 30 horses. We had to walk, trot, and canter both ways in the ring. In a class that big, it is common to pull the top horses in for a second workout and send the rest out of the ring. Top Cat and his rider made that first cut. So 18 horses went back to the rail to perform again at all three gates. As the horses lined up once more, Steam rose from lathered necks, shoulders, and heaving sides, fogging the ring under the lights. Who among so many would win the blue ribbon? The judge did something rare, even in those days. He cut the class again and sent eight horses back out to work a third time. Top Cat had already put everything he had into each workout. His rider was exhausted. But on the way back to the rail, Topcat seemed to gather himself, pulling on the reins as if to say, Trust me, I will handle this. Then he settled back and started climbing, 
trotting higher and higher as the mist swirled and the crowd cheered. It was as if he were drawing energy from some divine reserve. He won more prestigious ribbons in his career, but that blue always stands out in my memory as his best performance. In his later years, Topcat had an eye infection that required drops every two hours. The whole process was painful. He was a tall horse and could easily have slung me against the walls, but instead he kept still, body tensed, until I finished and we both sighed with relief. He lost sight in that eye, but continued his career as a school horse. He was my go-to choice when a rider was ready to go from school ponies to show horses. A rider who could post his big trot without getting left behind was ready for just about any saddlebred. One quirk Topper had was that his canter always started with a long stride and then settled. That stride was intimidating, but he helped me teach my students one of the most valuable lessons a rider can learn. Trust enough to let go. Time passed. I got married and drifted out of the horse business for a while. I had lost touch until a bar manager I knew asked me to feed while they went on vacation. As it turned out, Topcat was boarded there. I arrived and took a look at my old friend. He was down in the stall, but got up and shook himself off when I approached. He was well over 20 and showed the signs of age. I went on with my rounds, but when I got back to him, he turned to the corner and ignored his grain. I immediately called his owner and the veterinarian and haltered him to start walking. He followed willingly with a few pauses as dusk deepened to dark. When he lay down again, he wasn't stressed, so I let him rest a while while I waited for the veterinarian. I ran my fingers into the deep hollow above his blind eye, traced the gray hairs on his face, and stroked those ears he always used so well. His knees had grown knobby and stiff with age. I suddenly realized that I had never owned this horse, and yet here we were, together again by some quirk of fate. I sensed that it might be the last time. People want to continue a tangible connection to what we love. This was the horse who never gave up. Surely he could be saved. This was the horse who taught me the most important lessons of my career— and symbolize the characteristics that I continue to strive for. My mind raced wildly for ways to resurrect his body, forgetting for a moment what the cost and quality and dignity of his life might be. Where was the vet? I tugged at the halter. Topcat raised his head, ears forward, and looked up past me, as he had done so many times from a center ring lineup. This night, there were no crowded rails, no spotlights, no organ music or cheering. It was just him and me, joined once more under an infinite country sky littered with stars. I'm not sure I believe in animal communication, but at that moment, as he lay his head down once more, I felt the words, I'm so tired. Love. It's how we can best serve our equine friends. Sometimes we have to give them permission to go without the added trauma of our own selfish needs. Sometimes we simply need to say goodbye. The veterinarian arrived, but once again, Topcat, my forever horse, had already taken the reins from my hands to handle it in his own way. 
Thanks for listening to Barn Stories. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a favorite article or essay from the Equus Archives that you'd like us to feature in a future podcast, let us know. You can reach us at equusbarnstories, all one word, at gmail.com. Did you enjoy this episode of Barn Stories? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Thanks for listening. The Barn Stories podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network.